0: Welcome to Revelation chapter 17. Now we're just Revelation chapter 17 and in the scriptures, we're not that far along in real life, but we're not far behind it, I don't think. I believe before long, we'll start seeing a lot more happening in the world. And to be honest with you, it it wouldn't surprise me at all for the rapture to take place at any given moment because that's how far along we are, I believe, in in the book of Revelation. But chapter 17 is where we'll start tonight. Uh, We have six more, counting tonight, we have six more uh, chapters to go through, and then Revelation will be a, a studied book. But I can promise you, we don't have all of the answers, no matter how detailed we've been. So continue to read continue to study and continue to be aware of what's going on in the world. But let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house, to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message, Lord, your words here Lord, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray, amen. Chapter 17, starting with verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show you unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. In the previous chapter, we discussed the seven vials that was poured out by the seven angels. One of those angels has now come to John and told him that if he, John, would come, he would see the punishment of the prostitute. Well, this woman represents the false religion that will permeate society in the end. This woman represents the world religion and we'll find out a little later in the chapter, the world capital that even today is being formed by some religious rulers. Now, the one world religion is being looked at hard. It's been pushed, not really hard, but it has been talked about multiple times. And if you pay any attention to the news, you've heard it. You may have just allowed it to gloss over to just kind of escape. But often we see uh, an individual, and I won't name names, but he's the Pope, talking about getting the Muslims and the Jewish people together and having a a service together the three major denominations the catholic catholics or the christians if you will the Jewish nation and the Muslims and they have actually had the Muslims in the Vatican for a service multiple times in just recent past history so they've been what they call the clerks, but they've been there in the Vatican with the Pope or the Pope has been with them at another venue. But yes, the Pope is pushing hard for a one world religion. And you may say, well, that sounds great. That's wonderful. We all get together. We all understand, we all tolerate. Careful what you listen to and careful what you believe. Because just because we're sitting in the house together doesn't mean that we're going to get along together. There's very few times, there is no time that I can think of that uh, the Muslims and the Christians can actually get along. We can agree to disagree, and we can not badger each other, but their Bible teaches them to kill the infidels to get them to heaven. Well, I got news for you. The Christians are the infidels. We're the ones that they want to kill. I have a problem with somebody wanting to kill me. I'm a little sensitive to things like that. Maybe it's just me. Verse two, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The nations and political rulers have followed this one world religion and will even promote it and in some cases require the citizens of their countries to become part of it. The citizens will not all have to be forced. Most will willingly go and worship the false god in the buildings of the new world religion. This religion will be started with the thought of tolerance and unity. Now, does that sound like something that's permeating our society now? We want to be unified. We want to be tolerant. We want to be uh, accepting of all things. We want to coexist with all of these different religions and all these different backgrounds. I don't hate the person so don't take what i'm saying wrong i pray for my muslim friends and i pray for my jewish friends and i pray for my christian friends but we're not going to see eye to eye ever on what it is to be godly i've been told by family members that the muslims and the christians pray to the same god and worship the same god no we do not We may be able to go back to our lineage and we may be able to figure out that the Muslims started from here and the Christians started from here and that's Abraham. Okay, we may be able to go back and all of us point to Abraham and say, he's our father in our lineage. We may be able to do that, but there's a huge split right there because the Bible I read from doesn't tell me I have to go kill Muslims to get it to heaven. Their Bible does. Their Bible is all about destruction. Their Mm -hmm. Bible is all about power. Their Bible is all about being in control. Our Bible is all about being a servant to the people. Our Bible is all about love. Our Bible is all about compassion and caring. Not one time, and yes, there are Christians out there, or so-called Christians, I won't say they're Christians, but there are so-called Christians out there that are not doing right. And they can say what they want to. The Branch Davidians, Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Just to name two organizations in, well, recent past, from the 70s just recently in the 90s. They were not Christian. Those men that was leading those organizations was not Christian. They were power hungry, they were depraved, they were sin sick, they were crazy. They were not Christian. But everybody points to them and says, oh, well, if that's the way Christians are going to act. Well, no, that's not the way Christians act. That you can call yourself a Christian, but that don't make you a Christian. You can call yourself whatever you want to in this world, but he doesn't make it so. There is a, an individual that I, I'm an acquaintance with, and he works in um, the state, North Carolina state. And he'll tell you right quick, if your kittens have if your cat has kittens in the oven, it don't make them biscuits. Now that sounds funny, but doesn't matter what you call them, it doesn't make it so. See, you can call yourself a Christian and live like the devil. We see that happening all the time. I'm talking true Christians do not decapitate people on TV. True Christians don't burn people and do other atrocities. That's what we see coming across our TV. Well, that's just a small section. Okay, that's a small section. Not all Muslims are, you know, radicals as those. We've got radical Christians, right? But what do they learn? What are they being taught? They're being taught that they are the rulers of the world and to get the ruler of the world, they've got to destroy the infidel. That's what they're being taught. I got a problem with that. I'm a little sensitive to stuff like that, I guess. The new world order will be built on, or the new world religion will be built on tolerance and unity. We're not always gonna get along. Get over it. It's the way it is, we're human. We're flesh. My wife and I have been married for 36 years. We don't always get along. The last time we had a fight, I had her on her hands and knees begging me. You had to get out from under that bed and fight like a man. I'm afraid of this woman over here, but that's another story entirely. But watch what you believe and who you listen to. People are dying all over the world because they're listening to the wrong people. I don't really believe that anybody that went into the people's temple back in the 70s believed that it would end in a mass suicide in Guyana by drinking poisoned Kool-Aid. I don't believe anybody walked into that church initially going, I'll drink that Kool-Aid. But he talked a good talk and he gave the appearance to be a godly man. But the one thing that he done that we should have recognized and the congregation should have recognized is when he held up his Bible and said, the problem with you people are that you're trying to follow this and not me. And he was holding up a King James Holy Bible. Now, do I make any of this stuff up? No, this is all documented. And these are on videos. Now, it's not, this is from the 70s. They didn't tamper with videos that often back then for something like this. It wasn't political. That congregation should have got up and walked away. But by that time, they was enthralled with the way he could speak and the way he could do things and what he done. And so they they followed him from, I think he started up in Indiana and he moved to California, and then he went from California to the jungles of Guyana, and they followed him because he was being persecuted by the United States government. And Congressman Leo Ryan landed that afternoon, or had landed and had talked to him and was getting back on his plane, and he had some, Jim Jones had some of his own people to go out and shoot Congressman Leo Ryan as he was boarding his plane. And then they were told to drink the Kool-Aid. They literally forced some of their children to drink the Kool-Aid. I cannot imagine what was going through their heads. Tolerance and unity, you're not going to have it. The only time you can have unity is with Christ. That's the only time you can have unity. Anything outside of Christ is not going to be unified. Verse 3 So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman set upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And we're going to talk two different scriptures here. We're going to talk two different thought processes on this on this scripture. For the next, no, I'll say the next few scriptures. We're going to have a couple of different thought processes going on. So follow me if if you will. So he carried me away into the spirit, into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy and having seven heads and ten horns. The angel now transports John to the desert where the woman sits on the beast. The government, or more precisely, one world government. That's what that scarlet colored beast is, is the one world government, which the citizens of the earth will belong to. That's why she's scarlet colored. That's why the beast is scarlet colored is because it's made up of everybody. It's made up of every walk of life. They will belong to this world government to stop hate, prejudice, and war. Who really believes that this is going to happen? We will not stop hate, prejudice, and war until Christ comes back and makes his kingdom here on this earth. However, this one world government will not stop hatred, but instead promote intolerance towards Christians and those that are Christ-like. The seven heads, according to verse nine, is the seven hills which the nation sits on. One nation was built on seven hills, and that is Rome. The history of Rome says it was built on seven hills. And there are seven hills around the city of Rome. The ten horns are ten different rulers of the government that have not received their kingdom. And we see that in Revelation 17 and 12. We'll get there shortly. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. The world religion will have the appearance of goodly and upright living. Remember, Christ called the Pharisees whited sepulchers. You're just walking dead people. You're sepulchers with just dead bones inside. That's what he was telling them. That's what this one world government is. It's just, they're dead and they're looking for a place to lay down looks can and will be deceiving the new real the new religion will be false and will worship the antichrist today we see the start of this world religion as evangelists and preachers tell their congregation that the bible is wrong if you are sitting in a church and they tell you that the bible is wrong get up and leave you don't need to be sitting there any longer if they're, you're sitting in church and they tell you to follow them and not the Bible, get up and leave. You don't need to be there. No matter what you do, as long as you feel good about it, it's going to be okay. It must be good and right. No, no, no. And again, I have to say the word No. What we do is evil. What we do is wicked because there is nothing good inside of us until we put Christ inside of us or we allow him to come inside of us. Let's put it that way. But until he comes inside of us, there is nothing good about us. Our righteousness is but filthy rags. Preachers all over the world care more about their positions in the community and the church then they care about what god called them to be in verse 2 of revelation 17 it talks about the wine of her fornication This cup in verse or this cup in verse 4 is where the vile and unpure wine is drank from this cup represents and holds the false teaching and the false ideas it also represents the power that this false religion holds People can be drunk with power and be worshiped uh, and by worshiping this false religion there is a false sense of unity and a unity given to the followers. It's a deceitful thing what we're talking about here. We're talking about a someone coming to you with the appearance of being like Christ and deceiving you into believing whatever they say. You have to be careful who you listen to. You have to be careful what you read. You have to be careful what you watch. You have to be careful where you go to church. If you're not praying, if you're if you're not going to church somewhere, pray. Where would God, where do you want me to go? I can attest that he will answer that prayer. I promise you with 100% he will answer that prayer. Because I am living testament to that. Lord, where would you have me to go to church? And in a roundabout way, because he answered that prayer 36 years ago, I'm standing here tonight. Now, this was not the church that he told me to go to 36 years ago. This church did not exist 36 years ago. This building, this church, body if you will did not exist 36 years ago but because the church that he told me to go to merged with this church many years later that's why i'm here god will answer that prayer if you will pray it so i encourage you if you want to know where to go to church talk to god he knows where he needs you or he where he wants you i'll say it that way he doesn't need us we need him he wants us, but he doesn't need us. Verse five. And upon her head, or her forehead was a name written: "Mystery Babylon, the Great, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth." The name written on her forehead. In other translations of the Scripture, is Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth. Note the word "mystery" is not there. Mystery is separated from the title in other versions, and in the in the Hebrew. If you go all the way back to the the Greek, excuse me, the word mystery is separate. It's not part of the title that she's wearing. No, this is not a mistake in the Bible. What it's telling us, and why King James has it highlighted, if you will, or or has it uh, standing out with bold capital print. He's telling us that mystery Babylon, the Babylon that they knew was a mystery because they were deceitful and they were conniving and they were not where they should have been. So the deceitful Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Mysteries separated from the top of Babylon was the city full of confusion, even in the early days. The Tower of Babel was built in the plains of Shinar. It was built in the area where we know that Babylon stood. So if you want to know where the Tower of Babel was, Iraq. Somewhere in in that lower portion of Iraq was the Tower of Babel. we see the founder of that area being confused because he's the one that says, oh, let's build a tower. Let's make it to the heavens. And it wasn't so he could get closer to God. It was so people would say, hey, look at what John done. Look at what George done. Look at what Sam done. Wow, look at the church that Fred built. Guys, we don't build these churches. God does. We don't. And I can also stand here and testify to that. As most of you know, my wife and I started a a podcast ministry, if you will, two years ago, almost three years ago now. At the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, I sat down and my first podcast was about Matthew chapter 24 in the end times. And I put it out on the internet, and I went, you know, I don't know that this will go anywhere, but I kind of enjoy doing this, so I'm going to do it next week. And I'm going to do it next week, and I'm going to do it next week. And in the past two, two and a half, three years, there's been a few weeks, been a couple of months that I've actually just taken off and missed, not doing anything. I am humbled by where God has taken that podcast. It's not me. I don't know anybody in Indonesia. I just found out that the podcast has went to Indonesia. As a matter of fact, this Bible study, the book of Revelation Bible study, went to Indonesia. From the statistics on some of the websites that I look at. It's not me. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I don't have the technology to do it. I'm putting it out in Denver and Mount Holly, North Carolina. And it's on six continents out of seven. That's not me. And I'm not bragging. I'm giving God the glory here. I can't do that. So I'm not done this ministry. I'm not doing these podcasts. I'm not doing that for my attention. But I'm trying to give him the attention. But we see churches all over the country and all over the world that's bigger and bigger and building bigger and building bigger so that they can say, oh, wow, look at what preacher so-and-so done. It's not about preacher so-and-so. It's not supposed to be. Even in the days of Babylon, their false gods and teaching ruined and ruled the lands that they overthrew. I don't know if any, and I'm going to stop here for a second, but... I don't know if anybody's ever watched any of the the documentaries on the Bible and there's one out there about Babylon. Careful what you watch because there's a lot of them that's not worth anything, to be honest with you. And it will get you so confused. So be careful if you're into that biblical history. Make sure you're looking at the real true biblical history, not some of the stuff that's been put out there. Because some of the stuff that's been put out there, Babylon was, well, they were done dirty. You got to give me a break. I actually had someone to say, poor Judas Iscariot, to my face one day. He hadn't, he didn't, he didn't have a chance. What? Be careful what you listen to. Judas had just as much of a chance as Peter did as John did, as Matthew did. And I got news for you, it could have been Peter, it could have been John, it could have been Matthew, it could have been any of the others. Judas was the one that actually betrayed Christ because he wanted to betray Christ. But it could have been any of us. So be careful what you listen to and continue to do so until the Medes Persians overthrew them in approximately 539 B.C. The, Babylon, the Babylonian culture ruled the world until the Medes and the Persians came around in 539 and destroyed the Babylon. And the Medes and Persians lasted for a few years and then the Persians got tired of sharing the limelight and they took over the Medes portion. And they had a lot of the limelight until an old little thing called Rome came around. We see Rome is still playing a part in our history Verse six, and I saw the woman drinking with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now remember, again, this is not a mistake in the Bible, but remember when King James had the Bible translated back in the 1600s, they didn't have the command of the English language that somehow today. So the word admiration is not exactly what was supposed to have been here or what would fit the best. In 1611 it was. We see admiration as something different than what the scriptures here are putting on. When you see that, I wondered with great admiration and awe and wonder. No, that's not what John's saying here. The one world religion will kill Christians and the church itself will have no true Christians in it, period. The false church will do everything in its power to destroy all followers of Christ and will go as far as this being their mission and driving force for its existence. Most translations have astonished instead of admiration. John was astonished that the false religion would be killing the saints and the Christians. He wasn't admiring them, oh, I want to be like them. He was admiring them going, what the devil is going on here? So when you're reading the scriptures, it's good to go back and look at the original text as well and see what the original text says. Astonished is one of the words that they used. I will say that there are some that still carry the word admiration, but we can't use our definition of the word admiration in the scripture and the angel said unto me wherefore didst thou marvel or why did you question i will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her which hath the seven heads and ten horns when we started this journey back in june i believe it was i told you that revelation was self-prophetic it was a self-revealing prophecy in a lot of places here is one of those self-revealing prophecies or self-revealing prophetic words. We see the beast, we see the woman. Now the angel's gonna say, I'm gonna explain to you what that means, guys. The angel, one of the seven angels with the seven vials, asked why he was astonished. Didn't he realize the false church would kill and try to remove any indications of Christ throughout the land? The angel now will explain to John and to us what and who the woman is and who the beast is. Not their names, but their characteristics and their origins, how they got started. The beast that thou sawest, in verse 8, was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. So we're looking at the beast of Revelation, and it says that the beast was and is not. Well, now that's confusing. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Remember, the bottomless pit is where the demons that look like scorpions came out. And everybody says, oh, well, you won't get to see those demons. They're invisible. But yet John described them in great detail as to what they look like. And then the beast will go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life. Those are the sinners, not the Christians. From the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was, is not, and yet is. The beast is the one that came from the abyss and will go back into the lake of fire. That's perdition. The fact that the beast will be in place, then he will not be in place, and then he returns will give the world the impression that he, the Antichrist, is as powerful as God and the people and the nations will worship him. Now, again, we don't know if the and it talks about the one that was wounded and he comes back as if from dead. We don't know if that's a physical wound or if that's a political wound. It's more than likely not a financial wound because we have a lot of people going bankrupt and then I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the billionaires in the world has went bankrupt at least once or twice. So it's not a financial wound. It's either spiritual or political, or it's a physical wound. So he's going to be in place. We're going to see him. We're We're going to understand that he's trying to do something. We may not understand that he's the Antichrist at that point. But then he's going to get wounded. And we'll, oh, well, you know, the world of, oh, I'm so sorry. Our condolences. He won't die, but he'll come back stronger. And we're going to go, oh, wow, he came back from dead. No, he never died. So that's a falsehood. And we're going to say, oh, my gosh, he's back. He's got to be Jesus. Let's follow him. Careful who you follow. Careful who you listen to. Because there are so many, and it's been proven time after time after time again that these false evangelists—they're—they're they're setting people up. They will pay people, or they'll see somebody limping, and they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, let me let me get you a wheelchair." Now, this is a trick back from the 70s. Okay, I don't know. Hopefully, it's still not going on, and if it is, hopefully, people are not falling for it but they would find somebody that was having trouble walking and they would go and they would say, oh, let me take you up to the front so you can get a good view and we'll we'll wheel you in this wheelchair, don't worry, it's okay, we got, we got plenty of time, we're here to serve. And so you'd get in this wheelchair, or this individual would get in this wheelchair that was having trouble walking and they'd push them all the way to the front. And so they're sitting in the front of the venue in a wheelchair. And then this very charismatic preacher, teacher, talk, show host, whatever you want to call him, comes out and, oh, wow, he gets you all jumbled up and riled up. And before you know it, the people that was in the wheelchair are now standing. Oh, wow, it's a miracle. They could walk to begin with. Now, I'm not telling you that God does heal. God really does heal and he will take people that are in wheelchairs for real and make them walk again. I I know that for a, f- a fact. I've seen miracles happen time after time. No, I've never seen somebody that was paralyzed get up and walk except for one person. One person I have actually seen that was paralyzed that got up and walked again. That was me. I am a walking miracle and my wife can testify that I couldn't move. I woke up blind one morning and now I can see. Physically, I woke up blind. So I am not throwing rocks at the Holy Spirit and say, oh, well, miracles don't happen. I am saying miracles do happen, but be careful. Men and women have been orchestrating miracles. But trust me, in my case, it wasn't an orchestration. It was actual miracle and it happens all the time. But they they get into these shows and there was some, I won't name names really, won't name names here, but there was an evangelist that got caught wearing an earpiece at the podium. And he had people stationed all throughout the, the venue and they was their job was designed to go and talk to people. Well, brother, why are you here today? Well, I heard that this man is a great God, and a great man of God, and he can he can see into the prophecy. He can see into the future. and Oh, I just need to know if, you know, I'm going to get a financial blessing. I've lost my job. So this guy steps in the back corner and says, there's a guy sitting in the third row in a green shirt that's needing a job. I'm not making this up. And so the evangelist says, oh, mister, in the green shirt, you're going to get a job. Oh, praise the Lord. Again, miracles happen. But he was caught making it happen. Now, guess what? I don't know if that guy ever got a job or not. I don't have a clue. But I do know an individual that uh, was laid off from their own job. And that individual called their spousal unit, their significant other, and said, I just got laid off. What do we do? And God spoke to the spousal unit and said, not a thing, don't do a thing. And that individual told his wife, don't do a thing, God's got this. They had about four months to find them a job in the company or they was going to have to walk out. It was about four months, wasn't it, dear? Three or four months, it was my wife I'm talking about now. At the towards the end of the fourth month, one of the other managers came up to her and said, when are you gonna take this job I've been holding for you all this time? She got the job without ever having to fill out a resume or fill out an application. God moves, God will get you a job. God will do what he needs to do in your life. So don't take what I'm saying wrong up here. I do believe in miracles. I've seen them often. And I am a walking, talking miracle in my own respect. I don't say that to pat myself on the back because, guys, trust me, the doctors didn't even know what was going on with me at the time. And Lynn and I just had our second child. He was uh, was probably eight, nine years old probably. So, you know, we've got a young family. We needed both incomes. Was I concerned towards the end? I was sweating bullets, I'll be honest with you. I had preachers coming up to me going, well, you know, God needs you to put in. No, God told me to sit down and shut up and not do anything. God's got this one, not me. Well, I know that Lynn could get a job if she applied here. I'm telling you, she can't apply. That's what God told us not to do. She got a job and at the time it was the job she wanted. God has a way of working things out. So be careful though who you listen to and who you walk behind because they may be leading you down a path that you don't need to go. The non-Christians will worship the Antichrist but the true Christians will not. They will by God's leading direction and guidance will see him for what he is the Antichrist, and they will not follow him. And unfortunately they will be killed. Or harassed, anyway, persecuted. Most of them will be killed at this point. Verse 9, and here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now remember, I told you a few Multiple verses ago, we was going to talk about different schools of thought. Well, here's a different school of thought in this one. The seven heads represents the seven mountains that the world, government, and the false religion is located in. There is one nation that fits that description, and that is Rome. Current Pope is attempting to get the Jewish and Muslims together to form a universal worldwide religion. In a magazine called Charisma News, there is an article that details the 12 times the Pope has spoken of a universal religion and new world order. 12 times Pope Francis has openly promoted a one world religion or a new world order from Charisma News. And you can, you can Google that and read it for yourself. I did not include it in the study. But you listen to our politicians all the way back to the senior Bush administration. And he had a thousand points of light in his administration. He talked about the thousand points of light. Well, that is one of the tenets of the world order, new world order. Bill Clinton openly said, we need a new world order. George Bush, the junior, has talked about a new world order. President Trump has talked about a new world order. President Joe Biden has talked about a new world order. Our politicians are talking it. We're not paying attention. All the way back to George Bush, Sr., who was the vice president of Ronald Reagan. So we're looking at the 80s. From the 80s on up, just about... I don't know of anyone that has sit in that chair that hasn't talked about the new world order in some fashion or some shape. It is being talked about. Here's the second school of thought. However, in verse 10 below, it talks about seven kings. So if the seven heads are the seven kings of verse 10, then the description of Rome does not truly match up with the verse it makes more sense that the seven heads are the seven kings since a king is the head of a country. Now, looking at that verse in this context, the capital may not be Rome, but will be made up of the revised Roman Empire. What? Just recently in Germany, there was... An insurrection stopped by the police. And the police arrested these individuals and they were wanting to establish the second Reich in Germany. Now I, I have a problem with them wanting to establish the Second Reich since Hitler was the Third Reich, the next one should have been the Fourth Reich. So they're going back in time, not going forward. But they wanted to establish the Fourth or the, the next Reich, the next empire that's Hitler that's Germany the theory is and the belief is that Rome has never truly died that it is still out there laying low and I'm talking about the Roman empire you know we, we talk about the Roman empire in the scripture Caesar Augustus we're at that time of the year where everybody's going to be reading about Caesar Augustus and the decree and and Mary and Joseph having to go to Bethlehem to, to you know do their taxes. That Caesar Augustus was Rome. He was the Roman Empire. The belief is that the Roman Empire is going to rise up again. But it's not going to be a tolerant Roman Empire. It's going to be like it was in the days of Caesar Augustus, Julius Caesar, and those individuals. And the belief is that the world, the new world order and the new world government will be under the Roman Empire. I'm not telling you I believe this. I'm just telling you this is the other school of thought. And when you think about the Pope being a Roman Catholic, when you think about what the Roman Empire stood for, you can see where a revised Roman Empire might rise up right now in in Egypt, right now in Turkey, right now, in all of the areas that the Roman Empire lived they're having they're having clashes and they're having violence in a large percentage of those places so the the thought process is it may be a revised Roman empire that rises up and starts the world order and drags the, the a new Roman Catholic church, if you will. A new Roman, I won't say Catholic church, but a new Roman church. Rome was all about their false gods, but a new Roman church will be the false church. So hang on to that. See if we're see which school is right. Is it that Rome's going to be the capital, or somewhere in the Roman area going to be the capital, and we're going to see it that way? Or are we going to have an ancient religion and an ancient culture rise up out of the ashes of defeat? Is that what it's talking about, rising back from the dead? Think about that for a second. The Antichrist may be, if you go with that thought, a Roman emperor. That should blow your little minds. Because when I found that and I read it and I was like, wow, that, that kind of actually, that makes sense to a point. That could be the Antichrist. Not a person. But a thought process, an ideology, the Roman Empires. Verse ten. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come, and when he cometh he must continue a short space. Now this falls if you if you listen to what I said earlier about the Roman Empire, this Totally makes sense. John's day, there were five prominent Roman kings already come and gone. There were seven kings, five are fallen. Those are your five fallen ones. The one that sat on the Roman throne during John's time is the king that is. And the other is not yet come. And no one knows who or when the other is not yet will appear and who it will be however this points to a time when a revised roman empire will rise from the ashes of history and reassert its influence on everyone this king the seventh king will only reign a short time and there is a great debate as to who that is or was has he already served i don't think so If it is a Roman Empire, a revised Roman Empire, this king is still to come. Now, what do we know about history or what do we know about our current events that would tend to believe that this could actually happen, but look at the nations that are actually unifying? It's the old ancient Roman empires. Now, Turkey and Russia and China, they're trying to unify, but and Turkey was part of Rome, but a lot of the nations, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt, and all of these others was the ancient Roman government. And they are trying to get together and form a, a force, if you will. It makes sense. I'm not saying it's right, but it makes it actually makes some sense. And I told you when we started, I don't have the answers. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you and I'm going to let you figure out what you believe. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. However, the eighth will be the Antichrist and he will reign in the end times and will be defeated by Christ in the final battle. Once he is defeated, he will be rightly judged and cast into the lake of fire. So we got the seventh king. Maybe he's already been there. Don't think so, but maybe he is. And then we'll have an eighth one, who will be the Antichrist. And he's going to step out onto the world stage, and he's going to raise his hand, and he's going to say, "Peace be still," and everybody's going to lay down their weapons, and we're going to live in utopia from then on. Don't believe that lie from Satan. Yes, he will. He will seemingly stop whatever's happening, the war the poverty, whatever. He's going to seemingly stop that. But it is short term and he's going to be evil behind the scenes. Verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These ten horns or ten rulers will support the beast in the one world government for a time, a short time. However, they will be powerful while they are here and will help influence a lot of people, but their influence will be short-lived and they and their country will fall in the end and they will fall to the Antichrist. They will prop him up, they will shore him up, and then he's going to turn on them like a ravenous dog and he's going to destroy their countries. That's why they've they've not yet seen or had their kingdom in John's day and they're not going they're only going to be a king for one hour or a short time period and the beast is going to take take them back these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast these countries and rulers will combine their force and strength to overthrow the army of Christ in the ultimate last war the rulers and the people will be deceived into believing that their combined military force will be sufficient to destroy Christ in the battle of Armageddon, and they're going to be sorely wrong. And guys, we're gonna be there. We won't have to do anything. Christ is gonna fight that battle, not us. 14, and these shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. Not us, the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. These countries will be destroyed. The entire land that the Antichrist has taken over will be destroyed when they fight against Christ. His army will be unbeatable because Christ will lead the army to the battle and he will destroy the army of evil. And then we will have peace. Not until then we will have peace. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The water that the woman is sitting on are the people of the earth. This represents, the woman is representing a universal church or a universal movement or a universal thought process. Think about that that's the one world religion and how scary that really truly is there are there's denominations there's religions out there right now that if you do not tithe x amount of dollars every month they send you a bill tithing is all about giving of your uh, willingly with a cheerful heart it's not about paying a bill but there's churches out there, so-called religions, that will charge you, will will send you a bill in the mail for you to pay. Not too long ago, there was a church sued one of its church members. This was a supposedly Christian church. Note I said supposedly. She had won the lottery or she had won um, something, million dollars or so. The pastor believed that she should give more than what she did. He literally sued her so that she would have to give up more of her money to the church. Guess who won? The church. In a court of law, the church won that case and told that lady she owed them X amount of dollars more. You gotta be kidding me. You have got. To. And no wonder, because this was a supposed Christian church. No wonder the world thinks Christians are just stupid because we do stupid things like that. And the ten horns which thou sawest, verse 16, and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Wow. Now that's pretty stark and pretty descriptive the one world government sometime during the tribulation will turn on the world religion and destroy it. The religion will prop up the Antichrist and they will be there and they will oh, they will promote him and they'll do all these things and they'll turn their churches over to him and all, all this praise and worship and adulation is gonna to go to the Antichrist and then he's gonna turn and destroy the religion. The Antichrist will declare himself gods of all religion and will destroy the church that helped him in the past. He's going to walk into the third temple and declare himself God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He's going to walk into some of the mosque and declare himself Father Abraham for the Muslims. He's gonna walk into all of these others, the Hindus. He's gonna be the Hindu's God and he's gonna be the whatever's God. And by doing that, he's taking the focus off of the religion or off of the churches. And I use the word church with a small C, not a big C. He's gonna take the focus off of them and put it on him and the churches are gonna fall away because they're not gonna listen to that person standing in the pulpit any longer. They're going to listen to the Antichrist. He's going to set himself up as the head of the government and of the religion. And he's going to destroy the church. Some believe this event to take place approximately halfway through the tribulation, but it will be when the Antichrist declares himself a god, little G, There will be no need at that time for a religious body since he will assume the god of all religions. 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast and to the words of God shall be fulfilled. The 10 rulers will willingly give their nation and the power of ruling to the Antichrist. And since now all the world will worship the Antichrist, religion will be replaced with satanic worship and idolatry. We're getting there. We are. It's just a matter of time. They often say, well, I'm almost done. I've just got to finish. All I've left is the finishing. Well, that's all that's left here is for the finishing. We're almost there. But notice it says, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. God, the God that we serve, the God of the heavens, the God of the universe, will put in the people's hearts to follow the Antichrist he will deceive or he will allow them to be deceived. Well, now that don't sound like the God we serve. Yeah, it does. Go back in the Old Testament and read of uh, Jehoshaphat and Ahab at the war, the battle Ahab lo- loses his life. And why did Ahab go to that battle? It was because God was shaking his head up there going, how can we make him go? And this angel stood up and said, I got it, I got the perfect plan. I'll go to all of his smart people, and I'm using my own words, I'll go to all of his smart people, and I'll put a lie in their throats. And they will tell him that they will he will win the war. And I will they he will be deceived. And he will go to war, and he will never come home. Do it. And we see what happens to Ahab's wise people. They have one made horns out of iron and said, oh, with these horns, you're going to push the enemy all the way back. Well, you know what happened in the battle. Jehoshaphat was told to continue to wear his his kingly robes and I will dress down like a common soldier. And they started because the Mm -hmm. enemy had said, I only want... Yeah, but I don't want anybody else. I just want him. Oh, look, there he is because he's wearing king robes. Let's go get him. And so they tra come, and he's chasing at and Jehoshaphat screams out, wait, it's not me. Oh, she got the wrong guy. And the people that's chasing him, you know, that isn't him. Doesn't look like him now that we've gotten closer. And Certainly doesn't sound like him. And one of the arrows, one of the guys that shoots bows and arrows, he turned around and went, just a random shot. Shot Ahab right between the shoulder blades. Killed him. The God we serve will allow us to be deceived if if we are not careful. Because we will put ourselves out there and we will believe anything, any stupid thing, I mean, we got people that believes in a a flying spaghetti monster and they wear a colander on their head in their pictures of the uh, license. And I'm not making that up either. There is a movement that believes in a flying spaghetti monster and they sued the government. I think it was the state of California because they say they have to wear their, their special hat it's a strainer. It's a colander from under their kitchen sink, and the state went religious freedom. So these idiots have got this colander on their head and their picture and their license. You have got to be kidding me. We have went stupid, but it happens. God will allow it if we let it. We have got to know the word. We've got to study the word for ourselves. You may not believe what I say. You may not agree with what I say. And that's okay. (laughs) Come, come, let's sit down and talk. Don't call me names, but we'll talk all day long. I won't argue it. I will not argue it. But prove me wrong. I love to learn. Show me where I'm wrong. I'll be happy for it. Just don't come with a bad attitude and think that you're going to call me stupid and dumb and idiot and all this other stuff, because that kind of turns me off. I'm kind of sensitive to those kind of things. We've got to read and study for ourselves, because that's what's going to get us through these hard times. No matter if we get to the start of tribulation and get raptured out of here, or we go through half of the tribulation and get raptured out of here and or if we have to go through all of tribulation and get raptured out of here, knowing the word is what's going to get us through. That's all that we have to do is know the word and know who the word is written for and about. Verse 18, and the woman which thou thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. The last description of the woman is a city. The city where the world religion is housed or based from. Most will tell you that the city of Babylon was rebuilt and it is this city that becomes the religious center. So when he says Babylon the Great has fallen, he, he may literally be talking about a new revised Babylon. When Saddam Hussein was in power in Iraq, he decided that he was going to rebuild Babylon And he started, he ran low on funds and he was unable to complete the task, but some of those buildings are still sitting there. He was going to rebuild the temples. He was going to rebuild the palace. He's going to do it all. And he was going to move capital, Iraq, from Baghdad. His goal was to move from Baghdad to Babylon. Set himself up as ruler in Babylon. Saddam Hussein, the eighties, early nineties, was rebuilding Babylon. That should get your attention. Who's next? Is the city of Babylon going to be rebuilt? Is that where the world order is going to be from? I don't know. Is it Rome? I don't know. Is it America? I certainly don't think so. Because in all of the reading and the scriptures that I've studied, I don't see a representation of America anywhere else. We're already gone. We're toast. Where we went, we may have been one of the kings that handed over our power easily and said, oh, here, take us. But I encourage you to read and to study and look at what's going on around us. Let's not be oblivious to what all is happening. Israel just put out just the other day in a video, revolution has started in Iran. The country of Iran has been protesting multiple months now. And the youth have gotten various groups all over the country of Iran. And they have decided to join force and become a unified youth group. And that unified youth group is now protesting the loudest and the longest and the hardest. And Israel's thought is, revolution has come because the young people are turning against Khomeini and his regime. And their, their manifesto is, we want a secular government. We want it to be a democratic government. We don't want to have this religious ruler over us any longer. Those are the three thing, Three of the things on their manifesto. So yes, watch what's happening in the world. It's getting interesting. It's getting exciting. For a non-Christian, it's scary. For us, it should be, wow, awesome. Next. Oh, come on, move on, move on, move on. I want to get out of here but we will get out when God allows us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious heavenly father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings on our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise and to honor your name. We ask, Lord, that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll lift us up into your bosom. And Lord, that you'll open our eyes of understanding, Lord, to understand and to, to read and to understand what you have written and for what we need to know, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen.